Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. The show website is nhte.net and has lots from all episodes, plus links to social media and podcast listening platforms. Please let me know how you're enjoying the podcast. I want to hear if what I'm doing is making an impact or not, whether that's education-wise or entertainment-wise. And your engagement, your feedback is the only way for me to know. I would love for you to write to me via podcast at nhte.net or, of course, use the social media icons on the show website, nhte.net, to engage through one of those platforms. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from north of Detroit, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, who is the founder of the Americana band The Happy Curmudgeons. Last year, they won the We Are The Music Makers Music Award for Best Song in the Americana slash Folk category. The rights to one of their songs were bought by Hallmark to use for one of their shows. The band is currently working on their next album with a notable producer who we will hear about today. In addition to there in Michigan, the Happy Curmudgeons have also been booked for shows in the likes of Ohio and Indiana. You've been hearing a song of theirs called Second Chances. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Dave Hamilton. Hello, Bruce, and hello to everybody else uh, listening to us today. Welcome to the show, Dave. I'm glad to have you on NHTE. Before we get into all things Happy Curmudgeons, tell the audience all about the song Second Chances that was just playing, if you would, please. Sure. Uh, Second Chances, uh, actually, uh, it's the first single from our uh, new album that we're currently working on. We haven't released it yet, but the album will be called Second Chances as well. Uh, So it was the first song. We actually recorded that back uh, in uh, 2018, towards the end of the year, and uh, we were working on the album until everything uh, got caught up and held held up by uh, COVID. But uh, Second Chances uh, is a song that uh, uh, we just put together with our producer, um, Amy Dixon-Lavery, who's the uh, vocalist, wrote the lyrics, and I wrote the music for it, and we were very lucky to put the ensemble together that we did uh, with our core members of musicians, as well as some extra special guests on that track that uh, ended up, as you said, uh, we were a, a 2020 Wham Award winner for Best Song in Americana slash Folk uh, category with uh, with that song. Um, we're very pleased with how that turned out. So I know that we all have our own assumptions, our own idea, we can draw our own conclusions of what Second Chances means, but just talk specifically about this song, especially since I was talking over the lyrics and the listeners couldn't hear it. What does Second Chances, the Happy Curmudgeon song, mean? Where does that come from? Sure. Um, I'm not speaking out of context too much for Amy, but uh, it kind of pertains to to all of us here in the band. Um, Second Chances is a song where anybody once you get through your 20s there or you're in your 20s and after college and you've made your decisions uh some things may go awry uh even marriages 
things of that degree, and you think that you are on the right path. But uh, second chances is about uh, kind of forgiving yourself, picking yourself up, moving in a new direction, and also uh, being brave enough and and sure sure enough in yourself that you know, you, you pick up somebody else with you in your life, a life partner there. Uh, that you can kind of continue this journey on and, and and go towards your goal or your pursuit of happiness. And listeners, I hope you're going to say, duh, Bruce, you're being Captain Obvious, but I hope you understand. And my gosh, if you've been listening to this show for a while, this is episode 377, taking me a long time to point this out. I shouldn't have to point it out, but I hope that you know that one of the reasons that I ask guests that question when I just asked Dave what does second chances mean in the context of this song? Number one, I just think it's flat out entertaining to hear the guests tell those stories. But number two is it's a good opportunity if you're a songwriter to hear what other songwriters are doing, where they're getting their inspiration from, where they're getting their ideas from, and maybe say, I never considered that, or that's someplace that maybe I haven't turned to for song ideas that maybe I should. So let this part of the show be a teaching moment to you, as I hope a lot more of it is. Seven weeks from today, by the way, will be the first full day of my trip to Las Vegas that you heard me mention last week that I have booked. Seven weeks is actually going to fly by really fast. So I'm already taking steps to make sure I'm prepared so that when I get there, I can maximize my time and save money. How am I accomplishing those important tasks? By reading the Access Vegas newsletter. They have insider information that is so practical and useful, whether it's where the cheapest and free ATM machines are on the Strip, or how to bust the restaurant lines in Las Vegas without being a high roller or tipping someone a pile of cash, and even questions answered about those darn resort fees that most properties seem to tack onto your room reservation. Access Vegas is even giving $5 off to my listeners. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Access Vegas comes to your email inbox. They have a private Facebook group that I've gotten real invested in as my trip gets closer. And the editor himself will write you back if you need or want to email in any questions to him. There's so much information to help you keep up on what I think is the real city that never sleeps, whether you're planning a trip there next month, six months from now, or a year from now. Again, go to my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and then during sign-up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. Dave, before we go any farther, I'm sorry, I'm sure you have answered this question plenty of times, but for my audience, tell me about the band name, the Happy Curmudgeons. Certainly, I, I'll get into that. I, I just wanted to touch on a, a point, too, the other thing about second chances just real quick it's also going to be the name of our second album and that's the other meaning with second chances it's like this is our next chance the first album meant to be was just that we were all lucky enough to record the songs and the people that i really wanted to do that first album with Mm. happened to be there so that had a meaning to it but second chances is also we really believe that this was our second chance, uh, we, we didn't realize that we'd find an audience that we have so far, uh. but we think we can we can keep that momentum going with this second chance, and okay. it's a second chance for everybody that's been playing. I like it. But um, 
happy curmudgeons um, on that note as far as giving somebody a second chance. Um, I played in a group in the late 80s, early 90s called the uh, Angel-Headed Hipsters, and uh, one of my co-band members back then was uh, Stu Cameron, uh, who still plays, but he uh, he actually ha- helped me write uh, one of our, our bigger songs off of uh, Meant to Be, Soulsville, back then. And that's actually how the Happy Curmudgeons got started. I was talking with Stu, and he said, you know, if I were you, the very first thing I would do is put together, you know, a solid group and throw Soulsville out there because that always did really well. That's the luxury of having live music and, and live entertainment blending together to get your sound to where you want it to be. So when we got to the studio, we were focused on what we were going to do. And Stu was going to be uh, a little bit more involved, but uh, unfortunately uh, some other uh, real-life things came into play. But he still does write with me, and we were sitting down, and he said, well, what are you going to call this project? You know, it's, you know, I know you're bringing in everybody, but what's going to be the band name? And yeah. I said, well, since you and I discussed this and you threw – Soulsville out. I said, I was thinking, you know, my last name starts with an H and yours starts with a C. What can we come up with? And he came up with a few things and he said, well, he goes, you know, we're so old now. Most people probably don't want to see old guys get out there and perform. He goes, you know, we might have to perform behind the amplifiers. So (laughs) we got to think of something better than Millie Vanilli, you know? (laughs) And I said, well, hey, you know, the Stones are old. They still get out there. He goes, don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> and he goes, seriously, who, who's going to want to see a couple of happy curmudgeons like us? And I went, oh, my God. Uh, and he went, wow. and he went, absolutely not. And I said, that's <laughs> it. And he goes, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. And I said, you just sealed it, my friend. I said, saying that that was terrible, yes, I, I'm going to go with this. And 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 I know what he means because it's interesting when we've done interviews and podcasts for overseas, they seem to have more of a problem with it in, in the European countries, but uh, we've got everything. The best one I liked was being introduced as the happy cummerbunds. So oh my gosh. Um, you never know what you're going to get, but it is nice for, I, and, and it is kind of interesting in, in the interviews that we've done, how many people didn't know what it a curmudgeon was. Hmm. So when the, when we tell them it's happy curmudgeons, they're, oh, we get it, the opposite thing. Uh, so, but that's that's literally how we came up with the name. It was kind of a spur of the Mormon thing. What a yeah. great story. Well, since I've been fortunate enough to get listeners of this show from 154 countries around the world, share with the audience who all is in the band and what each person does. Sure. Um, well, first it starts with me. I'm Dave Hamilton, and I, I'm the founder of the group. Uh, I, like I mentioned, Meant to Be was our first album. We started recording and actually formed the band in 2015, and Meant to Be didn't come out until December of uh, 2017. Uh, but what I did at that point in time, I knew that I was going to have to get some solid people around me. We have four core members, so other than myself uh, uh, doing vocals, writing the songs, and, and being the guitarist for the band, I brought in Amy Dixon Lavery, who was the vocalist on Second Chances. Um, I'm lucky enough that she's also my fiance, ah. uh, but she, she's 
she's a phenomenal singer. When we uh, first started uh, dating, she sandbagged me and took me to a karaoke bar and <laughs> let me get up first and then thoroughly uh, embarrassed me. So uh, she did a, a cover version of Crazy, which we still do live by uh, Patsy Klein and even though I, I love her tremendously, she can knock that one out of the park <laughs> as well as Patsy can. And not not trying to uh, blaspheme anything that Patsy Klein's done, but she's quite the vocalist. Uh, even on Second Chances, what what you just heard, she did that all in one take. Wow. And there's no vocal correction on that. Wow. That's just Amy. And she writes as well, because I believe you said that she's the one that wrote Second Chances, so she's a singer and a songwriter. Correct. She doesn't write the music aspect. Um, she'll kind of give us a key to go in when it's something. Okay. But uh, she did write the vocals for Second Chances, and she does. She will uh, have uh, some uh, at least one or two more songs on the new album. We're hoping for a total of three. Okay. But uh, yeah, she is working on some other ones yet uh, currently. Uh, then we have uh, Jeff Warner, uh, songwriter, vocalist, mandolin player. All-around great guy, uh, fabulous writer. Uh, you're going to hear one of his songs later in the program. Uh, but uh, Jeff has been around with various bands, starting with Gene Poole, which created some waves in the uh, 90s, uh, to the Pole Barn Rebels, uh, more of a bluegrass country band. And not only does he play with us in the Happy Curmudgeons, he does uh, play uh, currently with a band called The Outfit that, is definitely more weighted uh, towards bluegrass, but uh. they, he can show his vir virtuosity in that band. Uh, just an amazing player. Everybody in that band is extremely talented. They can all switch instruments on the stage, mm. uh, but just an amazing songwriter. If somebody picks up uh, Meant to Be, uh, Jeff also helped me write uh, uh, Third Coast. It's on that album, and he did help me write the um, title track meant to be as well. And lastly, but not least, of course, because he let me hear about it, <laughs> the infamous Tumbleweed on harmonica, um, Jay Burrs. But uh, Tumbleweed has been a special addition to the band. Uh, he's mainly harmonica, uh, but behind the scenes he does play some guitar, and uh, we're actually working on some new tracks. He really brings the blues element and the heavier element to the band and if you go back and listen to the again meant to be to give you an idea uh carnal boogie and uh burn sugar burn that's more the forte that uh, uh tumbleweed helps me okay. bring to the band okay. that blues element well there's someone else who isn't in the band but i know is very important to the happy curmudgeons and that's paulie everett tell the audience who he is and what he does sure um if you folks get on to Facebook, uh, you can actually look up Paulie M. Everett. And uh, he's also associated with, uh, he's the Flint Underground kid. Uh, he did a lot during the uh, uh, Flint water crisis in Flint, Michigan. Ah. Uh, he, he's a resident of that town. He is one of the most prolific and best artists. And if you see our artwork, Polly is our artist, and 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 by doing so, and with what he's uh, brought to our band, 
he is an integral member and he is part of the band as far as I'm concerned. But mm. uh, if you do go around the city of Flint, you'll see murals up on different buildings. And uh, Paulie's done a lot of that as well as things for other cities. Uh, I know he just recently got back from Mexico wow. where he had a project he was doing. Um, he's painted in, in New Orleans, hmm. Nashville, uh, North Carolina. Paulie's uh, really blown up quite a bit since I first met him. And that goes back to where the project actually started. Um, I was uh, playing a, a benefit in Flint, and uh, Jeff Warner was uh, working at an establishment where I actually met Paulie. And, uh, and this was after I had played some originals. And I brought up to Paulie the idea of what this group was going to be like and what we were going to do. And if you look at the cover of Meant to Be, that's Paulie's artwork, and he did that for me in five days. Mm. So I just gave him the ideas, and that's where his brain went. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, his art gallery is uh, quite something to look at. Uh, as I said, very prolific. He's he's doing things all the time, and uh, he's going to be somebody that you'll definitely hear from in years to come, I'm sure. Sounds like it. Well, let's turn back the clock and set the background on you, on Dave Hamilton. You got your first guitar when you were eight years old, started taking lessons at age 12. You attended Miami University in Ohio, where you minored in music. Share with the audience who you studied with, as well as the musicians that you met and got great advice from while you were there. Sure. Um, Yeah, I was just really lucky as far as how... uh, guitar even went for me i i really first i look at playing guitar when i was 12 that's where i was serious with playing lessons and developed through high school and 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 playing in bands there uh, one of the a quick story playing in high school i filled in at a punk show uh, i had no idea what i was getting into <laughs> i was more into uh classic rock music and things of that nature trying to perfect uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, <laughs> Eric Clapton and Jerry Garcia licks and this uh, one of my uh, uh, classmates played in a band and his guitar player broke his hand skateboarding huh. and he needed a filling guitarist and he's like can you play three chords and I said what three do you want and he's like G A and D I said I can handle it so I went to go open that show and when I opened I had no idea this was at a uh, small club in, in, in Flint, Michigan back then in the 80s, but we opened for Agent Orange and Black Flag at that time. Wow. So, uh, you know, it, it kind of went from where I was oblivious to what was happening <laughs> at that point in time with the, with the scene, but I had always been involved in music, and then when I went to Miami, I minored, and they actually had a guitar class with Jim McCutcheon, who some people, especially in the Midwest, you're going to be familiar with him as the guitar man on the PBS uh, uh, show down in that area. But uh, Jim's played with not only the Dayton Symphony, but also the Cincinnati Symphony. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was lucky enough that he got to meet and play with uh, Andrea Segova before he passed, and also Christopher Parkening, who was another understudy. So Jim was well-rooted in classical music, but uh, the real big thing was is he taught me how to play Malaganya, much like Keith Richards started with. (laughs) He's brought that up in several interviews and went from there. But Jim actually helped me develop my 
songwriting ability and getting out of my element to do different things like Travis picking uh, and slide guitar. Wow. Uh, Jim also worked with a guy, uh, Dave Mustaine, which some people might know. So, uh, you know, as far as this is before Megadeth even uh, took hold. So Jim's definitely been a great guitarist to work with and, and start some basic patterning off of. But then he got me into the electronic music department at Miami as well. And I was lucky enough, uh, I had entered a contest and with a few other original songs. And out of the students, I made it down to the final four. And the judge that uh, had to tell me I was voted off was Lou Reed mm. at that time. So um, Lou, Lou just said, I, I was in the minority, but since I liked you, I was the one I got to talk to you said, you know, they really didn't think your vocals were that strong because I think they're perfect with what you do. Wow. The main thing is because I think you're one of the best songwriters here mm. from what I've seen. Mm. He goes, you have room to develop. This is not your best stuff. And he said, why do you like music? What brings you to music? And I told him, and he said, so it doesn't matter if you had an audience or not. And I went, no. And he goes, great. Wow. He goes, but here's the thing. Care about finding your audience because you will mm. just keep writing it'll come so that was interesting but then later on when i had no idea and they weren't married at the time yet that same semester in electronic music Lori anderson came to talk to my class wow. who ended up later marrying lou reed so and she brought just the idea of john cage into my life and and what that meant towards music and the perception of music and uh, I got involved at Miami, uh, just like a lot of musicians will, playing secondary gigs. Well, I actually uh, took a uh, job because the other guitarist that they had didn't want to do it, and I started playing some nursing homes uh, in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. And coming back from one of my shows, I was walking right by the uh, Coliseum downtown Cincinnati there, and I had a ticket for the Neil Young show that night, but I had my guitar case in hand. I was walking through, and back then I was thin enough, and so was my guitar case, to get through one of the fences to take a shortcut. <laughs> and I got and I got into where they were doing the uh, sound check, and I had my guitar, and there was two guys in the truck, and I said, oh, are you just running back Neil, or is he still out there? And they're like, yeah, man, he's just the last song. Should be out here in about mm, two minutes. And he goes, yeah, if you got the guitar, just back there man just keep going they mistook me for being somebody that was there so next thing you know five minutes later uh, Neil Young came out and one of the most genuine individuals I asked him to sign my ticket and of course like the typical fan I didn't have a pen and Neil said hey man I'm starving I gotta go on the bus and eat um, but I'll tell you what he goes if you come back in 15 minutes I'll be here and I'll sign your ticket and we can rap for a bit. Wow. And true to his word, it was even 10 minutes later. Went on the bus, came back out. He goes, hey, did you get that pen? I went, yep. He talked to me for 15 to 20 minutes before I even went back inside. Wow. Um, great, great person. Asked what I was doing with the guitar. I even said, well, get it out for a second. He goes, okay, no, you can really play. So I, I went in. He goes, well, show me something that you like. So, of course, I started doing all many. It's nothing like that, man. Something offbeat. And I did only love can break your heart. And it was amazing. It was like, mm. all right, I get you, man. That's cool. So he just asked me what I was doing, and I told him. 
And he said, Dave, the best advice he gave me, you know, don't take those gigs for granted because you're playing in front of people and you're also making them happy. But here's my best advice to you. I don't care if it's one person in the room or a thousand, give them the same show because when you do that, you never know who you're going to be impressing in, in that room. And how. So I really took that to heart and, and how. And that helped out. Let me jump in for a second because there's one more name that I want you to share with the audience of uh, someone else that you had a chance to meet. But I want to tell the listeners, I'm going to put a link on the show page for Dave's episode on NHTE.net for you to go back and listen to episode 196, which is when I interviewed drummer Chad Cromwell because Chad, Chad's played with everyone. Boy, oh boy, for Pete's sake, he's played with Joe Walsh. He's played with Mark Knopfler. He, all kinds of people. The, the list goes on. But he tells a story on that episode about playing on tour with Neil Young. So since Dave Hamilton just said it, I want you to hear Chad Cromwell talk about his Neil Young experiences as well. Um, but Dave, go ahead with the, with the one other name that I know that, that you can share with the audience of someone else that you met. Uh, well, as far as uh, just one other person that I did meet was uh, I saw a singer-songwriter that was opening for all people, the 10,000 Maniacs. And it's a small place for the people that are from Cincinnati uh, would know it's uh, Bogart's Theater, very small and an intimate place. Uh, the singer-songwriter got up, did her set, came up, sat next to me at the bar. I bought her a beer, and she said her album was coming out the next day. It turned out to be Tracy Chapman. Hmm. So uh, that was another interesting person. So, I mean, literally, it was a Monday night, and that's when albums were out on Tuesdays like that, and albums and CDs. And uh, she actually spent some time, had a had a drink with me there, and I just wished her all the best luck. But uh, so cool. obviously, we all know what her her showcase of music was like yeah. on that first album. Yeah. Well, you know, five weeks ago on episode 372 of this show, during my interview with composer, producer, stage director, and performer Peter Link, I started to allude to what I thought was commercial work, but he corrected me to explain that the companies he did work for were corporate events, not writing jingles. But Dave, since this does come up so rarely on this show, talk about the point in your career when you were doing not only session work, but music for local commercials, because I think this could be a potential teaching moment for anyone listening who is an aspiring performer that maybe has not considered that type of potential work. Oh, certainly. Um, I mean, now some of those back then, too, when I was uh, still playing and doing things with the uh, bands, I just I was approached uh, about uh, had I ever given any idea to playing on jingles mm. uh, and just some side commercials. And it's amazing for artists, you know, when you look out and you you, you see uh, it, it, pay attention to commercials um movies, things like that, where you'll hear it and you'll think, oh, that's an interesting cover. It's not just that. It saves the production group money by not having to pay out royalties to one of these A-listers. Um, you know, they'll have somebody else do those tracks for them. But at the same time, uh, you know, you might just have to come in and uh, just do a few chords and and some music behind a voiceover. Okay. And I just was approached to do that. So I started doing that on the side as a great way to make money. And, uh, you know, I spent the day where 
one of the locations was it was by a music store so i could go in uh play on uh, some commercials and then go teach for two or three hours mm. afterwards so to get me by in college and it, you know it was an acting for being a college student was an excellent way to make some side money as we all know yeah you, know, you need your pocket money there yeah. and but it kept me playing and it kept me vibrant enough to try and think and be creative in different ways. I like it. I like it. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from north of Detroit by singer, songwriter, guitar player Dave Hamilton, who is the founder of the Americana slash folk band The Happy Curmudgeons. Visit their official website at happycurmudgeonsband.com. And yes, I will have a link to their website from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you land on their website, you will see links to the Happy Curmudgeons on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Find the band's music on Spotify and Apple Music. And be sure to let the band know that you heard Dave and their music on Now Hear This Entertainment. I said at the beginning of this episode, but it bears repeating, especially since there was music playing while I was talking, please do let me know how you're enjoying the podcast. I truly want to hear if what I'm doing is making an impact, whether that's education-wise or entertainment-wise, and your engagement, your feedback is the only way that I'm going to know. So I would love for you to write to me via podcast at nhte.net, or of course, use the social media icons on the show website nhte.net to engage through one of those platforms. Dave, in there I mentioned the band's various social media platforms, and wow, on YouTube, not only does your channel have 13,000 subscribers, but the video for the song that was playing at the start of this episode, Second Chances, has almost 225,000 views on it in approximately 18 months. For that matter, there's another video that just went up approximately six weeks ago, and it has almost 39,000 views on it. I, I think y'all are doing something right on YouTube. Well, we've tried. It Actually, that was one of the things I was lacking on. Um, just being somebody that's been a musician and and playing, that's it wasn't a format that um, I really focused on. And, of course, I've heard that was a mistake, and I now know that. So we've tried to pay more attention to it. Um, just with us and using other session musicians, it's kind of hard to get everybody in the room at one time to do somewhat of a live video. So uh. Uh, we we just, what we did first was just basically got Paulie's artwork or or uh, another friend's artwork and then just put the music behind that. But uh, I actually ran into a uh, uh, another person that happened to be... Um, his name is Max Davenport, and I met him through just another uh, friend in the music business who mentioned that Max does videos, uh, but it's kind of nice because he can actually put your lyrics with the video, and uh, I, I kind of missed that with the old albums mm. where we had something where you could read liner notes and yeah. you know you could listen to a song and they'd actually have the lyrics there, so that was intriguing. But yeah, we got started on YouTube, and and uh, Max actually did that new video uh, that for the single we just released called uh, "I Know How You Feel." So, but I would stress that to anybody who's out there, when you do have some material you can put up, uh, even while you're submitting to these streaming services, make sure you have something solid on 
YouTube. And it, like you said, I'm I'm very pleased with how this has grown. You know, we started off with 500 subscribers and we're over 13,000 now. Mm. Um, and it's it, it's gone up definitely during this COVID time. And, and that's the one thing where we benefited. I think some people were just looking for something to do and we were referred to people and they had time. And I noticed even at the band's email, we went from where we had maybe 10 or 20 responses in a day to where now I get sometimes up to 250 in a day. And wow. that's, that's great. Wow. Uh, the only thing is now is just being able to address them. But yeah. YouTube is a great format for people to focus on them. Let's talk about the new album that the band is currently working on. I alluded to this back in the intro, but share with the audience who is producing this album, including what he's known for, as well as who else he has played with. And of course, I think we'd all love to know how you got this opportunity to have him produce this new album. Sure. I'll I'll, I'll try to compress this one so I'm not uh, quite as verbose or long-winded on it, but Mark Byerly is our producer. For you folks that don't know him, uh, he's an excellent trumpet player uh he hails from the metro detroit area uh he is bob seeger's uh trumpet player and has been for years um he's also played with noteworthy people on tour um some people might have heard of justin timberlake (laughs) he's played with uh, him on several tours and uh, one of my all-time guitar favorites uh he actually played with carlos santana Mm. so uh he, he he came with a lot of experience and like you alluded to how do you get access to somebody like that and yeah how does this work well we were actually working on meant to be with our first producer and uh, who is nate harrison nate's uh a jazz musician uh he's versed in in many different genres but um, focus is more on vocal, jazz, and even hip-hop in the uh, Detroit area. But uh, he heard our material, and he mentioned to me, yeah, I think you, know, you guys have something that you could definitely uh, record here. And that's where Meant to Be came from. But for uh, part of the other tracks and, and mixing, he actually brought in Mark Byerly, hmm. and that was a suggestion from uh, we have an excellent uh, bass player that plays with us. He's a studio musician here in Detroit, and anybody in the music business would know him. It's uh, Takashi Ayo. He uh, just won uh, I don't know how many consecutive. This is at least six, seven, or eight Detroit Music Awards now in a row. Last year, he just got his award uh, uh, virtually from Sting. Wow. Wow. Great, great bass player. I mean, everything from uh, uh, anything electric to where uh, on our latest single on I Know How You Feel, he's playing the stand-up bass. But he's the one that actually brought uh, the idea of bringing Mark into the project on the okay. uh, first one. And when we got done with the album, it was just when you hear our style, and I think when you listen to the first album, and again, it's that transition, it's always hard to come up for a lot of people with the second album, but we had so many songs left over, thank God, mm. that we, we had a place to build. And we just felt that Mark definitely suited our needs a lot better. Um, he came to one of our shows uh, when we were in uh, playing in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and uh, 
just brought up the idea that he'd really like to work with us. Hmm. And uh, that's that's where I just, I, I felt uh, we were more not only kindred spirits, but Mark has become another uh, virtual member of the band as well. Uh, his, obviously, his wisdom and his knowledge is just greatly appreciated. Outstanding. And it's, um, it's just nice having a producer that, will give you the truth. And at the same time, <laughs> if it's something you really want to do, he might not agree with it, but he's willing to go ahead with it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I'd say 90% of the time when he gives us an idea, it's usually the one that works the best. So it's kind of like listening to your parents. Well, but I think that's important, though, that if an artist is that strong about something that they really just it's a borderline deal breaker for them if they feel that strongly this is something I really want to do I think it is important for the artist to stick to their convictions and say I respect and I trust your opinion but at the end of the day this is my project and I really want to do whatever this is they have in mind but it's equally important for the producer to be able to stand up and say you know I, I really kind of recommend that you don't go that way. This is the reason why. But yes, at the end of the day, you are the artist. This is your project. So I think that's a healthy exchange for an artist and a producer to have. I know the new album is also going to have some special guests appearing on it. Share with the audience who some of those folks are. Uh, certainly. Well, and, and just like you said, getting back to that point, that's why we have Mark as the producer. Um, some people don't have that luxury that they get to explore more than one producer, and thankfully we have and fell into that comfort zone. But uh, just like on Second Chances that uh, uh, played at the beginning of the program, uh, Mark not only uh, produced that first one, he does play some keyboards on there, but uh, at his suggestion, I said I wanted to get some Hammond B3 on the track, and he just happened to throw out, hey, Jim Moose Brown is available, and for uh, everybody that knows the Bob Seeger Band in the Michigan area, uh, which is a vast majority if you like classic rock, um, Jim also plays with Craig Frost, who also played with Grand Funk Railroad. Mm. So he was available, and uh, he's he actually has already have, he's done two tracks, which are both singles out now. He plays Hammond B3 on Second Chances, and he also has a piano solo on our kind of a uh, country storytelling ditty, Jack Russell. But uh, we got him on there, and then Mark mentioned also about bringing in some background singers, uh, all three wonderful ladies on there, two of them uh, also perform with Bob Seeger, wow. uh, and he brought them in for us. Uh, and to complete out the roundup, he had two musicians that he had met that could do cello and violin and brought uh, those uh, folks in to do the uh, string portion for Second Chances. And then we completed it out with our own lineup. So that's, as I mentioned at the beginning, that's uh, Amy Dixon Lavery, who not only wrote the lyrics, she's on vocals. Uh, I'm on acoustic guitars. Jeff Warner uh, is on there on electric and playing the wonderful solo. I think that really ties that song together uh, extremely well. And then we've got uh, Takashi Io on on bass there. So that's where uh, that sound got uh, rounded out. But uh, that we were extremely lucky 
not only having that be the first track for the album, but to get those individuals on there and get a sound that we absolutely were in favor of to get out. By the way, do we know a release date? Is there a projected release date for when this album will come out? Unfortunately not. Uh, we are planning on trying to have this out. We're just saying by by New Year's. Okay. So it just depends. It's, it's the availability of uh, studio time, and I'm sure everybody is aware, but unfortunately for Michigan, we're in a hot spot right now with COVID. Uh, uh, so it's just a lot of what's limited uh, time frame-wise. Okay. Um, and just like that, uh, you know, for a lot of our other friends, just for a reference, which this will be kind of a, a time capsulated point, a lot of people that we know and other musicians have really been stifled. They're just kind of out of it. Or I don't want to say they're necessarily depressed, but they're just not being creative. And that's been the exact opposite for us. Mm. So it's nice because we'll we'll write something on our own solo and then when we do send the uh project over to somebody via Dropbox when we finally get time to play together things start to fit. So it's been a different way to come up with a process for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know it, it it's what we wanted to do to get to this next level. And again, it's the advantage of having other excellent musicians that can relate like this and you know it's it's wonderful being able to go into a studio and somebody like uh, Jim Moose Brown to come in and if somebody listens to Jack Russell which is the second single he came in did Nashville shorthand had it down in three takes mm. and then boom you know we've got a solid uh, song that's been uh, recognized for songwriting yeah. so uh, yeah it wasn't our intention to go out and and try and recruit these folks um, again, it was just they were offered that opportunity to play with us, and they happened to hear the song, and we're so pleased they had faith in us that they wanted to they wanted to do it for sure, for sure. Well, we're in the home stretch here. I mentioned this back in the intro, but talk about your band winning the 2020 We Are the Music Makers Music Award for Best Song in the Americana Folk category for Second Chances. Sure. Um, we just, uh, we happen to, uh, there's there's a site out there for a lot of new musicians. If you haven't heard of it, uh, Reverb Nation, uh, a lot of our stuff was on there. It's just, it's it's a good way to get out there and get recognized. Uh, another uh, really good friend of ours and an, another great producer who unfortunately uh, uh, passed away two years ago this month. Um, he actually uh, got us to create a profile for Reverb Nation. And if it wasn't for Ashley Peacock bringing uh, my attention towards it, he also helped me get the album out to 250 college stations. Wow. So it's it's mentoring is huge in this, too. Um, if you play, and again, just like I took Neil uh, Young's advice, I showed up and played an open mic night for a friend of mine Ashley happened to be in the crowd uh, and then came up to me and said, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> you don't belong here. And and the next thing you know, I was down at his studio and he was helping me get to this next level. But Reverb Nation has actually been a really good springboard for us. Um, we've got over 300,000 streams on, on there. Hmm. And that led us getting onto Spotify. We're on Spotify. We have over 1.5 million streams hmm. on Spotify now. 
And that really has been, we're seeing that more as far as a, a world number as well. But it got us into trying some different things to get out there. So Reverb Nation, just throwing it out, uh, was a good springboard for us to to do this. And and that's uh, that's where the we found out about the contest was okay. for the We Are the Music Makers uh, project. And we just we happened to submit. They played us on the station, and lucky enough for us, uh, the listeners and the judges. Uh, like the song that well, and I was extremely happy. We were uh, nominated for four categories, and we did win it for best song. So I was quite pleased and happy with that. Outstanding, outstanding. Well, we're going to close today with another song from the Happy Curmudgeons. This is the one whose video already has approximately 39 million views in just six weeks on YouTube. Dave, before I let you go, tell the audience all about this song that I'm about to play called I Know How You Feel. Sure. Um, it's uh, very simplistic, more stripped down. It's a form of music we really enjoy playing. Again, it's uh, it's an acoustic track written by Jeff Warner, and uh, it's, as you just said, it's called I Know How You Feel, and it's uh, based on him, unfortunately, ending a uh, relationship with his now ex-wife. Mm. And uh, just kind of one of those trials and tribulations for people, and he's kind of sympathizing uh, with a counterpart going through the uh, same type of feelings. And on the track, uh, Jeff wrote this song, and that's him doing the vocals and the uh, uh, rhythm guitar, the rhythm acoustic track. I'm on the fills and doing leads on the acoustic guitar, and then we have Takashi Ayo on stand-up bass on that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, Dave, it's really been great chatting with you today. I appreciate you making time to come on Now Hear This Entertainment, and all the best for the continued success with the band as well as this new album project. Excellent. Thank you very much for having us, please. And folks, check out our website that he'll post, and and find us on Facebook. We have a page there. We'd love to have you on that then, and and, uh, you can also see and hear some of our uh, relevant new news on that page as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Dave Hamilton, founder of the Happy Curmudgeons. Visit the band's official website at happycurmudgeonsband.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Be sure to engage with the band on social media. I have already liked their Facebook page and I followed them on Twitter and Instagram, so please be sure to do the same as well. You heard the conversation about their very popular YouTube channel. Subscribe to that and then watch and like the videos on there. Tell the band that you heard Dave and their music. I now hear this entertainment and keep up with them online as they continue to announce new developments towards the eventual release of their new album that you heard Dave talking about today. One more time from me. I know we're more than seven years in, but please let me know how you're enjoying the podcast. I truly want to hear if what I'm doing is making an impact, whether that's education-wise or entertainment-wise. Your engagement, your feedback is the only way for me to know. I'm not just saying this because I'm supposed to. I would love for you to write to me via podcast at nhte.net 
or of course, use the social media icons on the show website to engage through one of those platforms. For now, that will do it for episode 377. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from the Happy Curmudgeons. This is the one that Dave just talked about. It's called I Know How You Feel. Did you turn your back on something real? Then hope in your heart will never heal. Brother, I know how you feel. Did the world you know just cease to be? And the one that you love set herself free. Brother, you're a lot like me. Maybe you shouldn't have lied. Oh, you should have tried a little bit harder. You're in constant misery And if she's there to confide in for him now Oh, you should've been smarter Brother, you're a lot like me That's no way to be Her way to heal is to hurt you too And there's nothing left for you to do Brother, I'm a lot like you Now if all the leaves fell from every tree And deaf ears, they deny your final Brother, you're a lot like me And if you shouldn't have lied Oh, you should have tried a little bit harder If you're in constant misery And if she's there to confide in for him now Oh, you should have been smarter Brother, I know how you feel